song, hey, come alive, come alive. So good, sung so well. How are we all tonight? Good, good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come around your word. Your word is alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, and goes deep into the marrow. And Father, I pray that tonight as, as your word goes forth, Lord, that it will breathe life, bring healing, bring restoration, bring confidence. Father, I pray that your word, Lord Jesus, tonight will go forth and produce much for the kingdom of God. That we, Lord Jesus, will live the life, the abundant life that you have called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, recently um, we, recently we, um, adopt, we were asked to adopt a little friend. And his name is Dobie, and he's going to join me in a moment. I know the rule is never work with dogs and never work with children. And tonight I'm taking a risk because Dobie will eventually come out. And uh, we, uh, here he comes. Hello, Dobie. Yes, it's mummy. Yes. Sit, 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 Dobie, sit. He's excited. He's just give him a moment. He's, sit, Dobie, sit. Never work with dogs and animals, just, just for a minute. But I want to tell you a little bit of story. I'll hold it for a minute. I'll hold it. Dobie was, uh, we were asked to adopt. Oh, this is terrible. Didn't supposed to go like this. He usually sits. Jack, just stay there. Sit. Dobie, sit. Good boy. Good. Sit. 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 Okay. And this family, had, the husband had a car accident and couldn't look after, a very serious car accident, couldn't look after Dobie anymore. And the family could not take him for a walk, couldn't do the things that, that a doggy's life should have, an abundant life, a full life, a happy life. But you see, Dobie, when he was born, he's now about eight months old, and we got him about a month ago. He's seven months. But when Dobie was born, he, they had to cage train him. In, in one of these. Now, I won't torture him at the moment, but this is a cage, and apparently, oh, no, no, we did it too. It's not apparently. You train them so then they don't cry at night. They, you train them like so that they are good doggies, and they live a good, happy doggy life and not a naughty life, and you know, and so you train them and to live in the cage, and you take them out and in and out, and you train them so that they're good, good dogs. And... Um, you know, it's really hard because I used to see the cage as a punishment for Dobie. And even though that wasn't a punishment, it was a place where time out, he settles, he has a sleep, and he wakes up a better doggy um, and, and really well. And so there are disciplines that we've placed in, in Dobie's life. Good boy, Dobie. You sit. Sit. Oh, good boy. Yeah. Good, good. Do you want to shake? Shake. Shake, shake, shake. Good boy. Lie, lie. No, you're supposed to lie down. You do it all the time. But you see, you know, when Dobie's been disciplined and he does good things, I give him treats just to give him confidence that life is still good. It's not all about discipline. You know, but what was really hard was when, the, when we went to collect Dobie, the... 
the owner began to cry. I didn't, we didn't know we were going to collect it from an owner. I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> and she said, good boy, shake, 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 good boy, lie, lie, good boy, lie, lie down, lie, yeah, it's a good boy. All right, he's done it. You can go now before he's naughty. <laughs> there you go, good boy. Excellent. Say goodbye, bye, goodbye. There you go. Um, and <laughs> yeah, give Doby a hand. Good boy, Doby. It's awesome. So it was very hard. Oh, we got through that one. It was very hard for the owners to give up Doby. They cried, and it was the, the, the giving up was horrible. And it just alerted me to the fact that how much and how hard was it for God? to give up his son, Jesus Christ, for us, so that we didn't have to die a lot, eternal, and have eternal damnation, eternal hell, that we would have a life, but a life more abundantly. And you know, I am reminded that sometimes discipline comes not because we wanna be mean or nasty, but it's because we wanna Train Dobie to be a good dog, a settled dog, a dog that will live a good doggy's life, a full doggy's life. And so it is. Jesus Christ came to die for us so we can live an abundant life, an abundant life. And we know that the word for 2021 is to live. It's not to shrink back. It's not to settle. It's not to... Uh, think, oh, I don't know whether I do this or that, but it's to advance. It's to walk in the kingdom of God at, at its fullest. It's to live and it is to move. And today, tonight I wanna take the illustration of the children of Israel. That's very, some of you may know the story, but if you don't, bear with me and I'm gonna go through it. The children of Israel lived in Egypt. They were in captive for 400 years. There was 10 generations who lived in slavery. That means get up when I tell you, sleep when I tell you, work, 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 work. They were under slavery. They were told what to eat, when to eat. Bit of a prison, really. And they were under captivity for 400 years. But then the day came where God delivered them. And he said, come on, it's time to march. It's time to move to the promised land where I have more for you. You know, and I believe that it's a prophetic pattern for us to follow. The story of the children of Israel is a prophetic pattern for us to follow in 2021. I'm gonna tell you the good things about their life and their journey. I'm gonna tell you some of the bad things of their life and the journey. I want us to learn from the good. I want us to learn from the wrong and the bad. There is a promised land, an inheritance God has scheduled for each and every one of us. Whether it be in your family, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be in the kingdom of God, in a, work, in a church environment, wherever it is, God wants you to live. Not a, a life that sort of works, but a life that works. The story of the Exodus has inspired not only the Jews, but when Oliver Cornwell, an English general and statesman, made the first speech in his parliament. When Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin chose their 
images for the great seal of the United States, when black Americans struggled for civil rights and when South American Catholics shaped their liberation theologies, they chose the model of Moses leading the Israelites towards the promised land. And I know that today, again, it's a prophetic utterance to, to us tonight that we have a, a, a vision, we have a model to how to walk into the promised land and to live the life that God has for us. One of my favorite stories is in the Bible. As a child, I used to love my parents reading it to me and I used to love reading it myself, was when Moses comes with the children of Israel, they've just been um, released, they've just been delivered, and they're coming, and they're walking, and um, they come before the Red Sea, and, uh, and the Red Sea parts. You know, I just visualize that, going, how amazing, think about it right now. You're standing in front of Gold Coast Sea, and it just parts. Not sinking sand, dry sand, for you to get across. I just think that's amazing. You know, we see a movie, Evan Almighty, parting the tomato soup bowl, a little bit more dramatic than that. But I want us to read the account in Exodus 14, 13 to 18. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. I love that throughout Scripture and throughout our life, when we're facing something, there's always a whisper of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. You may be here tonight and you're facing something. The word of the Lord is whispering in your ear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Not because Nina says it, because it's the word of the Lord. He always guides us and leads us. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Yeah. Say that with me, get moving. get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed throughout Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory that I am the Lord. You see, movement is life. We see that movement is living. Imagine if they just stood before that Red Sea and go, no, nah, it can't happen. No way. And they hear the chariots coming. They see the soldiers. They see the army come looking like, nah, that can't, that can be, but that can't be. You see what the Lord, see what God said. Stand still, do not be afraid. And his next words is, tell them to move. Tell them to walk. Tell them to move on. And as they moved on, they saw the waters part. Nothing in life is ever achieved in a standstill position. Esther lived her best life as, as a queen, as she saved her people from genocide and taking up steps 
What were her steps? Her steps went to be a be- in, into a beauty school. Got herself ready. Why? Because she was entering a beauty contest. Why? Because she wanted to appear before the king. Why? Because she wanted to become his wife. Why? Because she wanted to rescue her people from genocide. It was a plan. But if she sat on her little tushy and said, oh, I don't think I can do it. I'm too ugly. Or I'm not going to pass beauty school. I don't know. I've got a zit on my face. They won't pass me. They won't allow me. No. She just moved. She just kept moving. We see the lepers dying of starvation, took courage and entered an Armenian campsite that was filled with their enemies, ready to kill them. But instead they moved in God, went before, and God went before them and made sure that not one man in sight was in sight. So they ate, they drank, and they lived. Why? They didn't. They just said, we're not, whether we live here, we're going to die. Whether we go in there, we're gonna, we, we might die. But chances we might not die. They began to move. And as they moved, they received an abundance of one, life and abundance in their life. Zacchaeus, a tax collector, you know, he got to have a meal with Jesus. Why? Because he moved. He ran up a tree. Now, that's, that's just stupid to run up a tree. Why? He ran up a tree because he knew that was the best place to see Jesus, but perhaps be seen by Jesus. There was movement in his, not madness, there was movement in his method to go and have a meal with Jesus because Jesus saw him. And what happened after that? His life was changed forever. I've seen throughout my whole life the times where I've chosen to keep moving in the midst of trouble, in the midst of all sorts of things, trials, failings, I've always, as I've moved in faith and moved with God, I've always come through that place. You know, when the kids were learning to ride a bike and Mark was teaching them, he had to do something in life. No, not really. <laughs> um, when he was teaching, he'd done more things. But he was teaching to ride a bike. <laughs> And, uh, you know, when they'd fall over, when Jack would fall off of his bike, he says, oh, Jack, you poor thing. Just stay on the ground. Mum will come and get you a Band-Aid. You'll be right. Don't, don't ever get on the bike again. I understand. That's really sore, isn't it? Yeah, don't ride a bike again. No. Straight away. Come on, Jack. You can do this. Get up on the bike. Keep moving. Keep moving. And what happens is keeps moving. Training wheels come off. And he starts to ride on his, on his own. And now he drives a car on his own. It's all started back then. So lessons that we can learn from the Israelites. There are three, there are many lessons. I'm only taking three tonight. Three lessons that I believe that we can learn from the Israelites. We, we, I, I, there, there's masses of chapters of lessons that we can learn. But just three tonight so you won't fall asleep on me. To live is to live, to live is to have the right priority. God first, you will have your best life. Putting God first at all place. I've got a confession. There was many years ago, I became addicted to Facebook, Instagram and Pinterest. So I would wake up in the morning and the first thing that I would look at was Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. To, this went on for some time in my life, um, confession time. And um, the, 
I started to lose the hunger for the Word of God. And so I was going to the point where this is totally out of kilter. I am not putting God first. I'm putting God wherever he fits in in my day. I'm, I'm making room for him somewhere. And I was a huge, this is many years ago, right? Not, not that long ago, but not many years ago. And I just had this, where is God? You want God to do things. You want God to move. But yet, Nina, you can't even put God first in your life. He fits in your schedule. And from that day on, it was six years ago now, I've chosen to, to meditate on the Word of God night and morning. Before I go to bed, the Word. When I wake up, the Word. Right? And I've done that every day for six years, every day. I'm on holidays. I, I'm addicted to the Word of God. I'm literally addicted. Right? And if I can't get Wi-Fi because I can't bring my big study Bible or something like that, I'm like, can I borrow your hotspot? Can you hotspot me in, Mark, please? Can you hotspot me in? Um, and so God needs to be first in our life. Yeah. Not second, not for dessert, not for later on, first. Yeah. First place. Exodus 12, 50 to 51 says, So all the people of Israel followed all the Lord's commands to Moses and Aaron. And on the very day... The Lord brought the people out of Israel, out of the land of Egypt, like an army. In Exodus 13, 1, 5 says, So Moses said to the people, This is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the day, of, the, day the place of your slavery. Today the Lord has brought you out by the power of his mighty hand. We see that the Israelites started to put God first. They started to listen to the word of the Lord through Moses. God's people were finally on their way to Canaan, the land of promise, the land of milk and honey, a promised land. There is no way to live the abundant life, the promised life that we read in John 10.10 without putting God first in our life. Business decision, put God first. Something with your children trouble, put God first. Seek him, ask him. Rely on him, call on him. Elton Truebold, Elton Trueblood, look back to those brave few German Christians of World War II who had the courage to oppose Adolf Hitler. When so many others went along or simply kept silent, a few, a courageous handful, would not go along with the majority. Trouble, sorry, Trueblood asked this question What made these people different? What made these German Christians different? Why did they say no when everyone said yes? His answer was simply this. They had the first commandment, which is, you shall, love, you shall have no other gods before me. That made all the difference. When you have God first, not Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, in your life, when you have God in first place as your priority, it's the first commandment, you put God first, take it seriously, God is first in my life. When there's things, I go first to God. When there's, when I wake up in the morning, I go first to God. It's becoming the way that you live, your lifestyle, your habit. You would see how different your life will be. Really 
incredibly different. I know the last six years, with the word, night and morning, I've grown so much in the word of God. When there's been issues in life, the word of God, there's always come a word in that season, in that time, that's given me like a fresh, a drink of fresh water to keep me going. Number two, to live, you need preparation. When you prepare, it means you are looking forward and not back. Makes sense, doesn't it? When you prepare, you're looking forward, you're not looking backwards. You're preparing something, it's because it's futuristic. It's because you're looking forward. You can't take your Egypt with you. You can't take old mindsets with you. You can't take fear and failure and past hurts, and because it didn't work last time, it's not gonna work again with you. You need to prepare yourself. You need to plan. There are things that will limit in our lives from living an abundant free life, an unrestricted life, an unrestrained life. We need to see that God wants us to prepare just like the children of Israel for the day of our deliverance. Prepare. What is it you want to do? What has God placed on your heart? What are you doing about it? I was talking to someone just recently, and she says, I just really want to do this. I feel this calling to do this. I said, so what are you doing about it? I can't use you if you're not prepared. So I said, why don't you study this and do this and do that? Position yourself, do this, do that. I never thought of that. It doesn't magically come upon you. You know, you've got to study. You've got to prepare. You've got to place yourself. You've got to do something. If you want to be a teacher, you need to go to university, become a teacher. They're not taking, as far as I know, they're not taking children or kids, year 12 students, straight from year 12 to be teachers. No, there's a process. There's planning. There's preparation. Exodus 12, 8 to 11. Let's see what they did to prepare. They are to eat the meat that night, they, they should eat it, roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over fire, its head as well as its legs and inner organs. Do not let any of it remain until morning. You must burn up any part of it that does, that does remain before the morning. Here is how you must eat it. You must be dressed for travel, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in one hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. We read that they ate that meal, and then they were instructed to place blood of an animal, not their own blood, over the doorposts of their homes, And when the angel of death was to come by, he was going to kill every firstborn, right, in in all of Egypt. But any door under the blood of Jesus, we're covered, any door that was under the blood was saved. And that was the Israelites. They were saved from that destruction, from the angel of darkness. And this this was actually the last straw for Pharaoh. Finally, he goes, I've had enough. Because you imagine in his household, every firstborn died. He was no exception. So he said, all right, you can go. I've had enough, just get out of here. 
You see, this preparation enabled them to be ready for their deliverance. Imagine if they didn't have their shoes on, didn't have a staff, weren't dressed, just getting out of bed. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh. I reckon, I reckon today's the day. Oh, better, which dress shall I wear? The left, the, the red one or the blue? No, he was saying, get ready because I'm coming. Be ready, be ready for my deliverance. Are we ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Are we ready? Are we ready for the deliverance of Jesus? You know, this is called Passover. This symbolized, this act of this last meal was Passover. And it's celebrated every year at Easter time for seven days in Israel. It's, it's the Passover meal. It's a day to remember their deliverance. We remember it as a deliverance when God brought them out. What are your preparations? What do you need to do? What do you need to be freed from? What's your Egypt? Are you in Egypt? What's holding you back? What do you need to be ready to be freed from? Where do you need to go? What is God asking you to do? What has he put on your heart to do? Don't think it magically happens. He doesn't go pick you up from here to here. There is a plan. There is a process. There's a preparation. So it was how they had to kill the, the animal, how they had to eat it, how, what was supposed to be left off over nothing. Um, you know, what they were supposed to wear, it was all preparation because they were to be ready when God brought them out. What do you need to do? Start preparing. Make a plan. Write a list. What is the thing that God has called you for this year? What, is you, what do you need to let go of so you can move into there are some things in life, if you don't deal with them, you won't be prepared for where God wants to take you and the place that he wants to take you. You know, it's the devil's playground. It's the past failures, the past fears. It's the devil's playground. When you start grumbling, the devil goes, yippee, just exactly what I want them to do. When you start fearing, when you start getting a place, oh, I can't really do that because this and da, 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 da. The devil goes, beauty, leave them bound and leave them home. Yeah. And God's going, no, 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 no. Be prepared. Move forward. Deal with those things. Come out of those places. Come, move forward. You're looking back, you're going to crash. You're not going to move forward. You're going to be in a standstill position. Look forward, make a plan, prepare, let go of those things that keep holding you back, those excuses that you keep making, and let those things go. We see it with the Israelites, their failures, not trusting God, and their grumblings continually towards Moses, to, towards God, got them to build an idol. You see, when your eyes, when God's not your priority, and when you're not in preparation mode, right, when you're not dealing with the things, what do you do? You, you look at yourself, you look at what I want, what I want to do, it's not going to happen. So let me build it, let me make it, rather than what God is saying for you to do, to let go. The journey from Egypt to the promised land was actually only 11 days. Have you ever thought of that? Do you, you know that they were there for 40 years, don't you? Yeah. Mm. What does that tell you? Let me tell you. 11 days from Egypt 
up Mount Sinai, all the way would have been to the promised land, 11 days. But because of their constant disobedience and their lack of trusting God, it took them 40 years. Talk about stubborn. God could get slaves out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of the slaves. God could get slaves out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of the slaves. So what became wandering in the wilderness was a process that God put them through, not to punish them, but to prepare them to go in and inherit the promises of God. I wanna be the person that is well prepared. I wanna be the person that when things happen or when obstacles happen, where hindrances happen, that I prepare myself, I deal with those things, I put them in its right place. Finally, we we see that they continually disobeyed and not trusted God. You know, I lived with fear and insecurity for 13 years of my life. Fear and insecurity ruled my life. You would look at me and you go, what, what? 13 years, I would wake up, make out I was sick so I didn't have to go to school because facing people just feared me. I would, uh, I was a good actor too. Um, Got lots of sick days. I lived with insecurity. I lived with intimidation. Anyone who was a somebody in the sense of whether it be a doctor, an authority, um, I would be very intimidated by them. I would work ways not to meet them, not to see them, not to interact with them. I lived for 13 years with fear and insecurity. And you know what? I was caught to be a minister at seven years old. But for 13 years, I lived with fear and insecurity. 13 years, fear and insecurity. Did God know? Mm-hmm. Did he see me struggle, right? Mm-hmm. Did he give me the opportunity to gain deliverance and release from fear? Mm-hmm. All the time. He gave me the weapons. He gave me the tools. He gave me the ability to renew my mind. He gave me everything that I needed. He gave me scripture, he gave me the word, but Nina got stuck. To I was I was was 13 years and it was I had enough. It weighed me, wearied me. I was sick of, you know, not passing assignments and not assignments but tests because I didn't have the work. I didn't do the work because I was away a lot, so there's lots of catch-up. I was sick of living like this. I couldn't even go to a bus stop, right? If there was a bus stop, I would go after 9 o'clock because there was less people to catch a bus to school. Now, you understand, don't you? If you get there after 9, that means you're late for school. And it constant, 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 until one day... And every day, every day after school, my mum would say, come on, Nina, we're going to go into the lounge room, we're going to pray. We're going to pray over you. Pray. And this particular one day, she says, come on, Nina, we're going to go in the lounge room. And she took me in the lounge room because she knew I was gripped with this fear, right? And she just said to me, okay, I'm leaving you there. You do it on your own. I'm like, what? <laughs> but something happened. That was a day of my deliverance. 
Because what happened, I was so desperate. I was so sick and tired of living with fear and insecurity. I was so sick and tired of the enemy playing with me. I was so sick and tired of the enemy bluffing with me, taunting me, which I allowed him to do, listen to him more than I listened to the word of God. And so I was so sick of it to one day, I got on my knees and I said, I have had enough. And this just this awareness, this, this sense of fear that I felt in the room, but this awareness. And I just like, it's like the light globe went on. It's like the switch went on. All authority has been given to me, and yet I'm not using it. And so I opened the lounge room door. I went back to my position. I said, in the name of Jesus, devil, I command you to go out of my life. I'm not going to live be, I'm not going to live as a person of fear. I'm not going to be a slave to fear. I'm not going to be a slave to insecurity. I'm going to live free. I want to be free. Your word says I will be free. Just like the Israelites were free from slavery. I was free from fear. I was delivered from fear. Next day, fear was back. What the heck was that about? No, no, but something changed. Something changed. I'm like, vacant, Holy Spirit's in this place now. There is no vacancy for fear anymore. And I just lived and I went to school on time and I made sure I was every lesson and I stopped being an actor of, of sickness and I was free, but it took didn't overnight, it took a discipline and living in freedom and living in deliverance and living in victory. Live, we can live in freedom and victory. I know what it is to wake up and, and you know, sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes, over time I gain victory that the enemy goes, oh, I just can't even try with her, right? Yeah because he just couldn't. I'd, I'd feel fearful, I pray in the spirit. The devil doesn't like it when you pray in the spirit because he doesn't understand. Oh, I got the weapon, eventually yeah. leaves. Yeah. Right, I found, oh, I got the weapon, bang. <laughs> to victory, but you know, sometimes if I'm in a scenario, situation, and intimidation comes, I just go, God, you have not given to me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I don't go alone. I go with you. You have already set it up. You have already gone before me. And I talk myself through. I read the scriptures. I memorize the scriptures. I go with power and with the Holy Spirit. To live, to live, this is my third and final point, believe it or not. To live, you need to understand that there will be problems. Now, you go, what? It's supposed to abundant life. You know, living abundant life doesn't mean there's no problems because that means you're in heaven. And as far as I can tell, you're all in bodies today. No angels, there's no wings in this place. The children of Israel wanted to live in their problems, but God wanted to send them to the promised land. Exodus 15, 22 to 26 says, then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink, problem number one. So they called to the place, they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained, 
and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink now, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it in the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following degree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. To test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to my voice, of, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer and all of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. We continue to read in Exodus, the problems just kept coming because they kept disobeying God. They just kept coming. They sent God 10 tests. That's another sermon in itself. They just kept not trusting God. It was problem after problem. They went from stage one, abundance of deliverance, to stage two, expectation. You know, and whenever we have abundance, we assume that that's it. We're going to live and continue. But when they crossed the Red Sea, just like they did, they thought the abundance would just continue in the wilderness. Red Sea open, of course. It would just continue. Then three days into it, the, the water, we're, we're so thirsty and the water's bitter. Stage to stage three, disappointment. When they ex expectations of the bitter water, so what do they do? They started complaining. You know, I think sometimes that's what we do. When we have problems, when something happens to us, we're quick to go, well, that prayer didn't work, or church doesn't work, or being a Christian doesn't work. I think sometimes, and that's a little bit uh, wrong theology, is we say, come to Jesus and all your problems will go away. No, if you come to Jesus, he'll walk through every obstacle that you live in, Right? He will walk through with you and he'll help you to grow and to come through. To stage four, the complaining then doesn't stop. They look back to the days that seemed better. Egypt seemed better. This slavery days seemed better. We are so similar to them at times. I remember back then. It was so much better back then. Now it's just so hard. We always think of the better days, the good days. But you know what? They were troubles in the, yeah. those days there. You just forgot about them. We become wishful and betray our selective memories, really. The people of Israel then just go on and on and on and grumble and grumble and grumble for 40 years. 11 days, 40 years. God kept them in the, in the wilderness. So their habits, their lifestyle might be transformed. He's just like, come on, guys. I'm giving you everything. You're giving me nothing. Come on. What I have for you in the promised land, you're never going to cope with until you deal with this here. I can't take you there because you can't live here. So that God was wanting holiness from them. He was wanting that holiness would come into their lives. 
that holiness to be able to cope with what he had for them. You know, the weight of blessing is often um, heavier, really, than the strength we have to develop it and to hold on to it. Sometimes we want the blessing, but God is going, I want to do more in your life, not just to bless you. I have much more than this little blessing, but until you come through and you deal with that and you let go of that and you learn to trust me, even when you think it's unfair, then you're able to step in to the abundance that I have for you. Ten different tests they gave God in the wilderness, continually testing God. But yet God showed mercy. God showed grace. God fed them. God sent light, pillar. He sent you know, fire by night, pillar in the day. He looked after them. He was good to them, but it was just never enough. Never enough for them. You know, it's in our difficult times, in our problems times, that if we deal with those things that God's going, Can you, you, you got to get rid of that because you're not going to be able to handle what I have for you. Just know that once you get rid of that issue, work through that problem, become a faith, a person of faith, then you're ready to handle all that God has for you. You know, then they went to stage five. And that's where God wants us to live. He wants us to live that full life, that life of of provision, the life that God has for us. He wants us to deal with the problems, see that God is still good in our problems, in our difficult situations. Allow God to mold us, to, to work on us, to let go of those things so we can come out of that place and be ready for what God has for us. The provision that God, the prosperity that God has for us. You know, they had a promised land waiting for them. But because they focused on the wilderness, because they focused on their problems, they refused to walk in. They refused to live and live in the promise that God had for them. You know, the gospel says that Jesus died to set the captives free. And, but like the children of Israel, if we don't confront those issues, if we don't confront the things that hold us back, then we'll never learn to persevere and attain the promises that God has for us. You know what will happen? You'll just keep going round the roundabout. You'll just keep going round. Come on, I'm waiting for you to let it go. I'm waiting for you to work, work that through. I'm waiting for you to deal with that issue in your life. I'm waiting for you to forgive. I'm waiting for you to say, okay, God, I trust you, even though I don't understand, but I trust you. And when we let go of those things, even when it's, it's you know, dreams that have been broken or or relationships that haven't gone your way, or things that have happened, disappointments, We say, God, I'm going to choose to trust you. It doesn't seem that it's, I'm going to come out of this, but God, I still choose to trust you that you are God. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of God, lords. You are an almighty, almighty God who will lead me out of this place as I leave it at your feet, as I let it go. Feeling somehow that God has ripped us off, and the promises of God are not true. Sometimes that's where we live. We live that God's just not fair. I got sick. Well, I'm a Christian. Why should I get sick? 
you're alive. There's sin in the world. Some medications have bad side effects. There's evilness. There's stuff that happens. There's COVID. God didn't cause COVID, but he's certainly going to use it. He's certainly going to bring us through. You know, there's more Christians getting saved during COVID than never before. Why? Because you know why? They're turning to God. God, help me. They're scared. They're fearful. Right? They're fearful because they know that God can help me. God will give me hope. They're calling out to God just before they're dying. You've got to understand that God always wants to produce in us an ability to trust him in all circumstances, in all situations, to trust that he's in control and he's not a mean God, but he is a good God and he loves you. Can I have the musicians come right now? Most of the children of Israel actually didn't get to live in the promised land. It's only a few that got in because for 40 years they continued to disobey God, to not to trust God, to not live the abundant life that God had for them because they just refused and refused and refused. And because of their lack of trusting in God, when things didn't go their way, when they never got what they wanted, they never made it into the promised land. I don't know about you, but I wanna live this year with no hindrances, with no nothing that holds me back, that no, no offense that keeps me anchored to one place, no hurt, no situation, no illness that makes me go, I don't know whether I can trust God because he's not a good God. He's a God who healeth me and he didn't heal me, you know, but no, I will trust God no matter what. I will sing his praises no matter what. When things don't go my way, I will still trust God. When things go my way, I will still praise God. That I won't be bound, but I'll be free. I'll live that, that life that is free in Christ Jesus. But that means one thing. It means letting go. It means learning how to live when problems come your way. It's putting God first. It's preparing for what God has. 2021, let's live with God as our priority. Let's live in preparation for what God has. Let's live with dealing through issues that don't hinder us and stop us from entering into that land, that promised place, that purpose that He has for us. You know, tonight I wanna, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm gonna close now and I want to pray before we close but I do want to I do want to ask you tonight perhaps you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus you've heard a message about a group of people that came from one place Egypt to to another place and you heard about the love of God and the grace of God and that God wants to deal with those issues if we let him if we give our issues to him he wants to walk with us he wants to be with us May not take you out, but he certainly will walk with you. Tonight, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, and I wanna give you an opportunity. If that's you tonight, perhaps tonight you're here and you've actually stepped back, stepped back from God. You know, perhaps one of those things that you've just, well, we'll see. Tonight, that's you, you wanna 
ask Jesus Christ into your life, I want to pray for you right now. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now and we're going to pray. Yes, that's awesome. Go on my left right now. Anyone else as I look over? Yeah, awesome. Another one on my left just at the back there. That's awesome. So good. Anyone else? I just don't want to miss this opportunity. Church, can you pray with me right now? two people are saying, I want to accept Jesus in my life. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Everyone just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I realize, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. I ask you that you would forgive me of my sins my wrongdoings, living life my way. And I ask that you would come into my life. Today, help me to live a full life, an abundant life with you at the helm of my life. Thank you, Jesus. I trust you. Amen. Amen. Those two people at the end of the service, we have something that we want to give to you to help you in your journey with God. You know, when I married Mark, and you know, I say this, but when I married Mark and I said yes, you know, I just didn't leave him. We, we started a life together, great life together. And so I want to help you, put something in your hand that'll help you to know who Jesus is and know how he, you can trust him, you can walk with him. You know, tonight, I'd like everyone to stand right now. And I want to put this last call, this last challenge out to you. Don't let 2021 pass without dealing with the things that have held you back for all the previous years. Whether it be insecurity, whether it be fear, whether it be past sins, whatever it be, I don't know what it is. You know what it is. But to say, God, I, I, wanna, I want you to help me. You know, perhaps people are stuck. Perhaps you just haven't been able to move forward. You're in the 40 years of wilderness. Not that it's literally 40 years, but you haven't been able to push through, to move forward. You know, they had to move to cross that Red Sea. They had to move before the enemy was slain. 